everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to pitch some fantasy at my friend, Charles. Oh, oh, oh. I am ready uh, to be pitched at today dylan uh but you know we've got a lot of i don't even know what to do my brain's crossed because i was gonna say we don't but not just any fantasy uh but not just any (laughs) pitches today not just any pitches today because today we bring back the beloved uh, ftf classic uh friends pitching fantasy woo Woo! Woo! Yes, it's very exciting. The energy in the room is is electrifying because you know we. One of the things that we always have to keep in mind for a show such as this one about fantasy series is what book are we going to read next? And there's always that discussion, and it's like, why not have that discussion on the air? And why not like? make it into a little bit of fun and so that's what we're going to do over this week it's friends pitching fantasy week yet again um Mm -hmm. we're going to start with dylan pitching three books that he wants to read next on the show and then on wednesday i will pitch three books that i want to read on the show we're going to open up some polls on the socials where you can vote um on each of our pitches to see kind of which one you'd want us to read next i'm going to pick one of dylan's that he's pitching today Dylan's going to pitch one of mine that I'm going to be reading, uh, uh, pitching on Wednesday. And yeah. uh, then we'll decide on Friday after all the results from social media come in. And, you know, we'll use those to weigh our decision. And uh, those will be the next two books that we read on the show. Um, isn't that right, Dylan? That's exactly right, Charles. And should be dropping this one probably on a Monday, I assume. Hopefully. That's when folks are listening. Uh, mm-hmm. Then wednesday of the same week we'll have charles pitching those three books at me but we won't decide until we've had the time to send out polls to all of you awesome folks and uh yeah then friday of that week will probably be when we have decided uh which two books and you know what charles this will be an interesting one because well, you don't know. You don't know what three <laughs> I have books no idea. I yeah. picked. You have no idea. Like absolutely. <laughs> no clue. Like I have. I mean, you sent me like a list of ten books or something, and you're like, "I'm thinking of pitching three of these," mm-hmm. and I was like, "Okay, great." But I've sent you nothing, Charles. You've no <laughs> idea. What no I'm clue. In with even today, I'm like, "Is Dylan ready to record today?" Like I haven't heard anything. <laughs> he hasn't shared anything with me. Usually, we're like debating which books to pick so we can narrow it down and it's it's usually there's a bit of a discussion before we come on the air but this is the first friends pitching fantasy where we've just kind of you know gone off on our own and come into this totally unbiased it's going to be interesting because usually i kind of know what's coming and can expect it but I, i i honestly have no idea what books you're you're pitching today and i don't even i don't even have a guess i don't even have a guess (laughs) I think this harkens back to the old days of Friends Pitching Fantasy, right? Mm. I think we su- used to surprise each other in that way. I I think so. I, We'd have to go back. But um, no, it's very exciting. And I don't want to wait too much longer, man. You know, I'm very excited 
to dig into some new fantasy. We've read a lot. Uh, we read the Robin Hobb trilogy, and that was fantastic. And then we've read a couple books in the Court of Thorns and Roses series. And I'm ready for something new, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what you bring to the table. I'm excited to bring these books to the table. Charles. Bring them. The pitching now, we table. Say all three at front. That's front, what I was wondering. I'm... Yeah, that's what we traditionally done. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Totally, and totally. I guess the only reason not to would be to surprise you in each instance. But you know what? I think this listener experience will be better if they know what three books they're. Yeah, and they'll probably be front. in the title image too, anyway, and in the description yeah. and all that. So they're gonna know. All right. Well, Charles, book one will be Blackwing by Ed McDonald. That oh. is, yeah, the first book of the Raven's Mark trilogy. And I've I brought that up a few times on the show before. And then the next book is Fourth Wing by New York Times bestselling I'm... author Rebecca If Yaros. I was going to guess one, I would have... <laughs> Pick that one that you were going to guess. That would have been my guess. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I should have said something because I was like, you know what? I, uh, someone actually at my office, because people know about the show uh, where I work, and uh, one of the, my coworkers came up to me. We don't work in the same department, so she had to come out of her way to come up to me and then was like, so have you read The Fourth Wing yet? And I was like, yet? no, I, I, I haven't. Yeah, because I was talking to her about how I was reading um, Court of Thorns and Roses. And so right. she's like, oh, it's 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 a similar it's a yes. similar vibe, like a new adult <laughs> romance. And I was like, oh, I'm sure Dylan is aware of this and it already has it in his crosshairs. <laughs> I, yeah. So it's kind of funny. That conversation happened Thursday. So just uh, yesterday. Okay. Two days ago, yeah. Yeah. And I almost, like, when someone recommends stuff to me, I try and move it up the priority list. So I almost pitched it today. I almost threw a curveball at you. And then I decided not to at the last minute. And I was like, there's a good chance Dylan might pick it and we'll both pitch it. And that would be kind of awkward. Uh, that's know. why we tell each other beforehand, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't have Could to you because I didn't do it. I almost did. Oh, that would have been disaster. Complete disaster. I know, then you had to play the game. It was like, do I waste my pick on it, or do I assume he's going to pick it, and then I get to pick a different one? You know, uh, like that kind of... Prisoner's you know. Dilemma. Yes, Prisoner's <laughs> Dilemma <Sort of>. Classic. <laughs> oh, so, right. fantastic, They fantastic. call it the Dragon Rider's Dilemma when it's for mm. the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... I will say that this new adult romanticy subgenre has definitely been more prevalent in my life uh, since <laughs> I got into a relationship with a, a fellow fantasy reader, and she's <laughs> on top of that. Uh, for that whole scene. sure, for like, sure, the influence of the like new adult yeah. romance, you know, more like. Yeah, I, I, for sure, for sure. It's fun. It's fun. It's different. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm curious. Books for everyone, but they definitely target women more with how they uh, present themselves. For sure. Of course, books that we can enjoy as well, Charles, and folks of any gender. And that's why I brought it today. And I'll also go on to what? I don't, I don't. I don't know Charles, what I did. What just I don't know what I did. <laughs> I just gave a thumbs up and it shot fireworks. Yeah. What? 
Is this like a new function? I've never on Zoom? seen this okay. in my life. Just to what explain to the listeners. Oh, and when you I put don't... thumbs down, it rains. I guess. Okay. I, just to explain we're... to the listeners, something just happened on Zoom <laughs> that we were completely unprepared for and I've never <laughs> seen never. before. Charles gave two thumbs ups, and the Zoom background just started shooting off fireworks. It does it every time he does it, and then <laughs> if Charles gave two thumbs down, it it starts to rain in his zoom, like the zoom background changes. <laughs> now what happens um, if I flip you off? That's the real question. Uh, nothing happens. Nothing. Except our friendship has been damaged. <laughs> <laughs> you made a vulgar gesture at me, I Charles, did make as, a vulgar uh, gesture. As Sarah J. Mass would say. Yeah, definitely a nothing. vulgar gesture. Nothing. Well, it I'll keep trying throughout up. the episode, see if I can get a response <laughs> from, from zoom on, on, the middle finger but until then dylan you have a third pick that i'm dying to know what it is to complete your right. selection <laughs> yeah my third and is it wing is related i know i did have two wing related books i i just noticed when i was telling you those two but unfortunately this has uh little to no Dude, wings i thought you were a professional i, I thought I know, you were a professional wouldn't that be great if i had like a whole (laughs) even if it was a bird thing even if it wasn't necessarily wing i would have been like okay this guy gets so like a bird without wings what no like if what the title was something like oh the ravens something or oh the crows something you know like i mean if it was bird wing which is raven's mark trilogy but anyway moving on charles we're going to be talking about the Powder Mage Trilogy oh, by Brian McClellan, beginning with pick. Promise of Blood. Yes, I, th- I thought this would be a good one. This is one of those books that's like, why haven't we read this on the show yet? <laughs> it's kind of fallen into that right. category, which are always it's good ones. It's been on my TBR for fantasy. about a thousand years. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's been out a decade, but <laughs> still, a long time. And yeah, so that's I'm pitching the whole trilogy for that. Well, with the other two, I'm going to be pitching the first book with potential to keep going. I think the second book is not out for Fourth Wing yet, but then the uh, yeah the whole trilogy is out for Black Wing. So that's mm-hmm. what we're dealing with today, Charles. Uh, I guess we've kind of got your reactions to these oh, yeah. already, and yeah, I think I'll just dive into the pitches if you're ready for that. I'm ready. Are you, I'm assuming you're going in order that you unveiled them. I'm a professional, Charles, of course. Mm, of course, of course. All right. Let's, so let's All hear right. Blackwing. Blackwing by Ed McDonald. Charles, mm-hmm. I'm going to start, like I always do, with kind of the back of the book. Just okay, to smart. Ground smart. people in what kind of book we're dealing with here. Okay. Set on the ragged edge of a post-apocalyptic frontier, Blackwing is a gritty fantasy debut about a man's desperate battle to survive his own dark destiny. 
Under its cracked and wailing sky, the misery is a vast and blighted expanse, the arcane remnant of a devastating war with the immortals known as the Deep Kings. The war ended nearly a century ago, and the enemy is kept at bay only by the existence of the engine, a terrible weapon that protects the misery's border. Across the corrupted no-man's land, teeming with twisted magic and malevolent wraiths, the Deep Kings and their armies bide their time, watching, waiting. Bounty hunter mm. Ryholt Galharrow has breathed misery dust for 20 bitter years. When he's ordered to locate a masked noblewoman at a frontier outpost, he finds himself caught in the middle of an attack by the Deep Kings, one that signifies they may no, no longer fear the engine. Only a formidable show of power from the very woman he is seeking, Lady Elizabeth. Tanza repels the assault. Elizabeth is a shadow from Galharo's grim past, and together they stumble onto a web of conspiracy that threatens to end the fragile peace the engine has provided. Galharo is not ready for the truth about the blood he's spilled or the gods he's supposed to serve. Now that's a back of the book. Am I right? Wow, like yeah, that's... that's a back of the book for sure. Right. Sometimes, you know, you read them and they're very like, I had summary, like good an idea was about that one, Mike. That was like good prose in that one. Yeah, no, fantastic. All right. I brought up this book a few times, like I mentioned before, and it's usually under the context of underrated grimdark fantasy that has a great sense of humor. And obviously that sounds right up our alley. So I thought time finally pitched this to you. As a heads up, uh, like I said, first book in a trilogy, but just pitching the uh, this one right now. Happy to continue with the series if we want to after reading it. It is a great series mm. overall, but mm. you are not locking yourself in by picking this okay. one. Uh, let's start with some of the stats. has a 4.1 out of 5 stars with just under 7,000 ratings on Goodreads. Among those ratings, we have 5-star reviews from a few of our friends, and those being incredible authors. Mark Lawrence and Nicholas Eames, uh, both of which, Mark Lawrence mm -hmm. of many books fames, but let's say Prince of Thorns, Red Sister, and so on. Uh, Nicholas Eames, uh, Kings of the Wild author, a fantastic guy, and uh, yeah, both both people we've had the opportunity to meet, chat with. Uh, oh, also yeah. reviewers like Ed Gwynn of the Brothers Gwynn, uh, mm -hmm. as well as a bunch of other great reviewers, Peter Swordsmith, Nick Borelli, buddies with. Uh, so I see Robin Hobb is... on here, too, which we oh, just yeah. read. I mean, I think I have a Robin Hobb, uh, a Robin Hobb quote, or at least a mention somewhere in my pitches. So uh, Fantastic. All right, Charles. Obviously, that's a lot of good people putting five-star reviews and a lot of people whose tastes align well with ours and, of course, whose opinion uh, opinions we respect tremendously. Uh, I'll, I'll read a little excerpt from Ed Gwynn's review. Uh, he called it a story with good world building, solid characters, and a breakneck pace. Blackwing is a strong fantasy book that is full of unique twists and themes. He goes on to say, read it, Charles. Uh, Nicholas Eames said, Blackwing is, simply put, awesome. It's gritty, edgy, suspenseful, and often poignant. 
The world is unique. The characters are deeply flawed. See also real human beings. And the pacing is breakneck from the first page to the last. And we want to see Mark praise the magic, intrigue, and writing while going on to say he can see why Blackwing has been one of the more successful fantasy debuts of 2017. And okay, clear our friends love this book. But Charles, it's important that I tell you why I love this book and why you'll love this book. That's what Friends Pitching Fantasy is all about. That's and for what me, it's all about. <laughs> it starts with the good old morally gray complex protagonist. I know I've been calling that buzzwordy and all that kind of stuff, but it holds true when it comes to Ryholt Galharrow. And the story is written in first person from his point of view. And in that way, it is just oozing with voice. The character has got this cynical, clever, dark sense of humor. And Charles, when I think cynical, clever, and dark sense of humor, I think you, Charles. And yeah, (laughs) I'll take it. His whole, yeah, (laughs) at least two of those are, well, (laughs) at least one of those are nice. (laughs) Clever? It's an interesting combination. I'll take it. Yeah, it's not, you know, you know, it's not entirely off. And his whole way, Ryholt's whole way, not yours, Charles, uh, of seeing the world, it's this kind of self-awareness coupled with a sense of having seen it all and made every mistake imaginable already. (laughs) And it provides this unique perspective that fits the story so well. And that way it's kind of uh, along the lines, uh, very different book, but along the lines of, let's say like a King killer chronicle type book where the character is providing the voice and it's very unique. And you couldn't imagine the story coming from like, another perspective uh it's uh yeah a unique experience reading uh from Ryholt's point of view and, and one that i know aligns well with your taste when it comes to that dark sense of humor cynicism all that kind of stuff uh very witty it's super okay. fast-paced uh, you've heard that from some of the earlier reviews i mentioned the paperback copy that I have is only 360 pages long. And no puns intended, it just flies by. Oh, I re- nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There he is. I read at night before bed. That's kind of part, part of the wind-down routine. And sometimes, Charles, I have these books that rather than helping me uh, get to sleep, help me wind down... Uh, they have such awesome pacing and so much intrigue that then it has the counter effect, Charles. It keeps me up. And then I have to be like, all right, I need to read this book other times. And I pick a different <laughs> book to wind down with. Or, uh, you know, sometimes I stay up all night and, and read. But mm-hmm. this falls into the category of keeps me up book. And for better or worse, uh, <laughs> that was my experience reading this one. And it's just a it's a ton of fun, and it's going to keep you wrapped into the story. It's got intrigue, action, and a twisted, interesting, magic-infused world with this idea of the misery. It feels almost like this like magical nuclear wasteland, like a little bit of Hills has, Have Eyes-y kind of feel to Ooh. it that I felt, whereas like these distorted... <laughs> monsters and wicked beings they're all messed up from being Mm -hmm. in the misery uh (laughs) and it's almost surreal at times and 
it's uh yeah very unique i've not read anything that has anything quite like the misery and mcdonald's writing makes you feel like you're right there in the thick of things uh breathing misery dust like bounty hunter riot gal harrow and <laughs> it's uh I'd be remiss, I'd say, not to note the clear appeal that this book has to Abercrombie fans. And when I was describing all of that earlier, the grimdark, the great sense of humor, the wittiness, the cynicism, right? Charles, I know you were thinking Abercrombie. How could you not? Because we're such huge Mm -hmm. fans of his work. I was. I'll admit it. I was. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you're a big man for doing that, Charles. Uh, I've mentioned brave. this before that yeah, uh, that the grim, dark sense of humor thing, great fit for first law books. But I'm far from alone, and uh, we know Patrick Leo, prolific reviewer mm-hmm. and booktuber, he basically reviewed any fantasy book you can find on Goodreads. You'll you'll see his among the top ones. In his review, he said, I'm calling every fan of Joe Abercrombie and Mark Lawrence to put Blackwing on their radar. Uh, Blackwing, the debut work and the first book in the Raven's Mark series, is one of the most original grimdark fantasies I've read so far. And that's someone who has read a lot of books, Charles, to call it that unique and original. And come on, Charles, calling every fan of Joe Abercrombie and Mark Lawrence? Might as well (laughs) rung you up personally (laughs) over there. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Seriously, seriously. (laughs) It's very impressive. Like the company that the praise has for this book is kept is like really interesting and really spot on for sure. Oh, Charles, not just that company, but also Django Wexler, author of The Guns of Empire, noted that fans of Glenn Cook's Black Company or Joe Abercrombie's first law series will be very happy with this one. And uh, Charles, I mean, you're a fan of both of those series. So I have one question for you. Don't you want to be happy? <laughs> the answer is yes, I really do want to be happy, you know, and it's just always looking for that next book that will finally that will finally deliver, you know. Um but fantastic pitch and I know this series from all of our recommendation series. Anytime there was like a grim dark thing or an action oriented thing, Blackwing always made its way into the recommendations, whether it was from you or from people weighing in with their with their book recommendations. So this one has been around for a while for me. I've always been aware of it, never pulled the trigger and picked it up. And I'm not 100% sure why. I think sometimes when you've read a book and I haven't or vice versa and we're reading for the show, it's easy for those kind of books to get shelved for lack of a better word because it's like well one of us has already read it so we've got it covered and let's keep moving let's keep moving so to pitch it is is very interesting and certainly this the mix of the like the grim dark and the humor and the uniqueness of the misery is all very intriguing i gotta say the cover is not very good Uh, um (laughs) like 
I, I think Charles, that was another part of why. Don't judge a book by its cover. How I'm dare not, you? I'm the cardinal not, sin. I would never. I While would we're never. on birds, <laughs> cardinal sin. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's got the Jack Peterson font, and then like the silhouette of a bird, which I've seen in like six. I was at Barnes and Noble the other day, and it's like I think it's like the Jonathan Strange and Mister Norell in another book with like the exact same cover, and then this is slightly different. You know, it's like I'm over the bird silhouette as a motif for a book cover, but. Putting that aside, putting my bias of the cover aside, everything else about it, all the signs are there uh, that this is something that I would definitely, definitely love to read. So very strong first pitch. Thank you, Charles. I I see where you're going with the cover. I think <laughs> I you. I mean, the, the whole crow and horrible. raven stuff. In I've general, seen a lot worse. It's just overdone. Yeah, it's overplayed. It's not a... Uh, in a vacuum, if you looked at the cover, you would not say it's a bad cover. No. It's just no. in the context of the greater fantasy genre where you could probably locate, like, you know, five or six other books within 10 feet of it at a bookstore that right. have uh, also a silhouette of a raven or bird with a person with a hood. A cloak, yeah. Uh, like a yeah. cloak, sorry. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it's it's not bad cover, but it's just overdone. But Charles, right, right. don't judge a book by that cover, Charles. I wouldn't. I'm very engaged. I'm very interested. <laughs> All right. Well, Charles, we good on Blackwing. We're going to move forward to Fourth Wing here. Yes, we are mm. good on uh, Blackwing. So. All right. Set. Well, Blackwing's done. Fourth Wing begins. Uh, this is by New York Times bestseller Rebecca Yaros, as I mentioned. <clears throat> We've got 20-year-old Violet Sorengale was... Uh, we got some names here. Ryholt, Galharrow, <laughs> Violet Sorengale. <laughs> yeah, I see Zayden Ryerson. Do you think Soren <laughs> there is a play on Soaring? And Gale is a play on, like, Gale, like, wins? Do we I think do that, Charles? think that. You I think so? do think that. Mm-hmm. It has to be, well, right? It, I feel like it is. But yeah. anyway, because uh, dragon riding book, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. either way, a Violet Sorengale, 20 years old, supposed to enter the scribe quadrant, living a quiet life among books and history. Who doesn't want that, Charles? But mm-hmm. now the commanding general, her tough as talents, mother, has ordered Violet to join the hundreds of candidates striving to become the elite of Navarre, dragon riders. But when you're smaller than everyone else and your body is brittle, death is only a heartbeat away. Because dragons don't bond to quote-unquote fragile humans. They incinerate them. With fewer dragons willing to bond than cadets, most would kill Violet to better their own chance of success. Uh, She'll need every edge her wits can give her just to see the next sunrise. Yet, with every day that passes, the war outside grows more deadly. The kingdom's protective wards are failing, and Violet begins to suspect leadership is hiding a terrible secret. Friends. Enemies. Lovers. Everyone at Baskith <laughs> War College has an agenda. Uh, my agenda is to try to figure out how to pronounce that word. Uh, because once, yeah, because once you enter, there are only two ways out. 
what is this, grad school? Am I right? <laughs> Graduate or die. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way in the old PhD program. But <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, interesting. I'm curious yeah. what it means that she has a fragile body. Does she have glass bones and paper skin? Uh, and uh, does she no, lie away this is not while like a night until her heart attacks put her to sleep no. or I what? Think she has, <laughs> I think she has some disease and it involves chronic pain and perhaps mm. literally brittle bones. So people will praise it for its representation of uh, folks with chronic pain. I've seen that oh. before. Okay. All right, Charles. Now into the thick of the pitch. Be honest with you. Haven't read the book, as you probably know. Can't speak mm-hmm. as deeply about it as my other two pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Fourth Wing came out May of this year and has already accumulated 580,000 plus ratings on Goodreads, averaging insane. a 4.65. What? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Very that insane. That is, yeah. It is a sensation on TikTok's book talk community, and it's oh, been yeah. selling like hotcakes. Oh, yeah. I figured. Ooh, <laughs> nice. I like the hot. Yeah. I like the old timey yeah. language. Appreciate yeah. that. We've been, we've you been know, all these twenty-year-old romance <laughs> novel books. You know, contemporary books bring out the old timey language. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I believe you said on A Court of Thorns and Roses that you want to know what all the hubbub was about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so these are going like hotcakes, which, you know, oh, yeah. love that. And yeah, I mean, I've had people at work coming up to me to talk about it. Um, my thing, though, Dylan, and I know you're mid-pitch, but we're, we're talking about, it seems like this is kind of inspiring riding the wave of something like a mm. court of thorns and roses right is this new adult technically i would you call say it new adult from what i've gathered that's the vibe that i get too yeah you know new adult romanticy charles Ooh, like that romanticy, portmanteau i like that romanticy yeah, that's like what that. they're calling it that's okay. not Del marsh original that's uh what i've seen it called and in that way, it fits into the kind of Sarah J. Mass style of this massively popular new adult with substantial romance yes. elements to But it. you add the school element a la like a Harry Potter, and then you add the oh, dragons yeah. a la Game of Thrones. You bring those together, you know, <laughs> like, come on. It's the natural You got yourself a stew right? going. You, you got yourself a <laughs> stew going. You put that in some broth. Man, you oh, got yeah. yourself a stew. Absolutely. I think it's like, it does feel like it was created in a lab to be <laughs> like the perfect best selling fantasy book, right? It's taking mm-hmm. all of those elements that can attract a really broad crowd, as you're saying. And but uh, yeah, over it, half a million ratings of over 4.6, you know, star average is, is in the you, last you eight months. You can only formulate so much of theory, but to actually execute something like that is very impressive. Oh, yeah. I mean, Charles, you and I could sit down and say, oh, everyone loves uh, school settings and everyone loves <laughs> dragons and they love this romance and Harry Potter to, yeah. and Game of <laughs> <Right>. Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whatever would come out of our attempt to write a best-selling fantasy novel, we... Uh, <laughs> 
we probably wouldn't quite come out of it with over 500,000 ratings with a 4.6 average on Goodreads. If I No, if I the chances of that happening would be like 1%, you know, it's very low. Not even, probably infinitesimally small, Charles. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. anyway, what's not infinitesimally small, Charles, is... I don't know. I, I I thought I could transition there, but I, I just didn't have it. The but anyway, back to the pitch. written reviews. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, the way people speak to this book, it seems to have high stakes, fast pace, and a ton of action. Uh, the word that I probably most see people describing it as is addictive. And that definitely falls into some of the category with other books that we've been bringing up here, like A Court of Thorns and Roses and stuff. Uh, sounds like it has very modern language. It's extremely accessible. And it's a read that goes by quickly. And, of course, huge part of it is going to be that romance element we've been talking about. So, Charles, you did express some reservations there. Maybe you're a little romanticized out after a couple Court of Thorns and Roses mm-hmm. books. So I will say you have to be at least somewhat in the mood for that if you're going to pick this one. Um, <laughs> the show but, does not exist to keep you in the good graces of your relationship, Dylan. You know, there's <laughs> other reasons to read books, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's true, and that's why I'm putting the ball in your court, Charles, and that way I can always blame you if you don't pick the book that uh, okay. my partner wants that's me fair. to read. So, a big part of the Does she want to you to pick... read this? Has she read it? I'm kind of interested. She's not read it, but we both mm. purchased copies of it mm. already, I will say, so. it was a selling like hotcake situation, like we brought both our books up and they're like oh fourth wing like i've sold five of these already today <laughs> like something <laughs> like that uh, it's uh, yeah people do keep buying it and yeah well i'm gonna read this at some point and we'll probably read it at the same time uh but yeah the question is will it be soon charles and mm-hmm. i think a big part of the reason to pick this one up will of course be the let's see what all the hype is about factor and mm-hmm. anytime book takes off this much this quickly takes off charles takes off it takes off there Get we it? go yeah yeah uh, there's oh. got to be some reason for it and if mm-hmm. nothing else you and i always enjoy trying to understand that from the perspective of just all right what is this thing's role in the fantasy genre what does it say about trends and where the genre is going and what brings about success at least success in the way of sales because uh, this has (laughs) definitely met that criteria what's it going to say about me when instagram unanimous unanimously votes to read this one and then i (laughs) might not pick it yet to pick some grim dark thing you know (laughs) yeah we'll see i think that it's instagram probably i would say leans this way but it's really tiktok and we still don't have our TikTok set up quite yet, Charles. No, but we do not. If we did some sort of poll, if they even have polls on TikTok, I imagine no, this idea. one would sweep over there. But mm-hmm. yeah, we don't we don't have them to reach out to. But also, Charles, I gotta say for you, I've seen comparisons that call this a more adult version of How to Train Your Dragon. And I know you love that movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it was more, 
adult, that would make it a lot more entertaining, too. <laughs> Throw some romance yeah. in there while we're at it. But a that's little, a great There's movie. a little spiciness in here, Charles. John right. Powell, fantastic compositions for the score of that of that movie, too, by the way. Robbed of the Oscar uh, for Best mm. Soundtrack for Trent Reznor's stupid social network garbage movie. But whatever. I like Trent Reznor. <laughs> Nothing against him, but, you know, snub. Anyway, as you were. Yeah. As you were. Talking about Take the fourth wing, Zuckerberg. dragon riders. I keep wanting to end that with of Pern. Like the word dragon rider is so within Anne McCaffrey's like world to me that I hear it in this context and I'm like, okay, got to adjust. It's dragon riders for the modern audience, the contemporary audience. Right. You know? This provides us with an underdog protagonist fighting through a brutal academic setting. But lots of people still describe it as fun and entertaining despite all that brutality it's got action it's got romance it's got adventure but most importantly it's got dragons charles when was the last time you read a good book with dragons as a main focus i think you just answered that i i kind of had it teed up but you're right you read dragon riders of Pern like not that long ago i do uh, love myself a good dragon story it's true and they're not as yeah. common these days as you might be led to think also that's the thing i was just thinking that when i was writing this up i'm like oh, okay dragons again it's like tons of books have dragons but how many books are about dragons it's mm, actually well a lot said. fewer than you might think and well charles said. i think you're due for a book about dragons and this one would be a great choice <laughs> interesting i mean it's a great pitch you know it's a very popular book it was you know, people are talking about it to me, expecting me to have read it already. So I, I feel they gave somewhat you a obligated. Yet. You yeah, said they said, they, "Have you read this yet?" Like yes. implication, you yes. will read this at some point. Yes. You have no control over your destiny, uh, yes. so <laughs> you might. I as well also do have you know, and they explained it to me that you know it was it's one of these things where it was written to be almost like a gateway fantasy kind of story too. So when you talked about the like accessibility of it. I think that was part of it. It's kind of like bringing the fantasy elements to their foundation to kind of bring in new readers, which we always love for the fantasy genre, right? So, you know, lots to like and, and kind of dig into and what that means and, and, and see that from an outside perspective. But we just finished reading the second book of Court and Thorns and Roses. Um, was it Winds, Winds of something? Mist and Fury. Oh, court Mist and Fury. Fury. Uh, yeah, the next a one court is of a Mist and Fury. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we just read that. And I was just thinking when we finished that, I was like, I can't. I'm done, man. Like, I'm done. But, um, <laughs> like, I don't want to become that show where we just read all of these new adult fantasy books all the time. <laughs> you know? So when you're pitching that Grimdark, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go back to that. You know? But, um, hey, maybe the fan response is going to be so strong that I would be crazy not to pick it. And there's still a whole other book that you have to pitch that I'm actually very familiar with but have never read, where I feel like maybe I have read it. But uh, super excited to get your, 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 your pitch in for this one. Definitely, Charles. This one's overdue. And again, this is the mm -hmm. Powder Mage trilogy by Brian McClellan. And begins with Promise of Blood. I'm trying to lock you into the whole trilogy here, Charles. That's the catch. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's... I'm primarily going to focus on Promise of Blood as the first one. 
but I'll get a little bit into the series. Just uh, my yeah, looking on at the series on Goodreads, it makes no sense to me. There's a book zero point zero, a book zero point one. You know, then it goes no, all we're the not way doing to that. one. Then one point five, that. then two, then three. No, we're doing one, two, three. We're doing one, two, three, Charles. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I've, so never this, like, I've never seen a crazier numbering system <laughs> for a series in my entire life. <laughs> Don't get involved with that. We're doing one, we're doing two, we're doing three. Maybe oh, I'll look into here's 1. book 5. zero point four to zero point seven plus one point five. Have you ever what? seen that in your life? <laughs> i'm not making this up i'm I'm texting you this hold but keep keep going all right well let's get that back of the book in the age of kings is dead and i have killed it it's a bloody business overthrowing a king field marshal tamas's coup against his king set corrupt aristocrats to the guillotine and Brought bread to the starving. That was a really hard sentence. Brought <laughs> bread just let you to know? the starving. I just yeah. had to say, coup, aristocrat, guillotine, like... <laughs> Bought bread. That's a lot. There's a lot of it's words bad. that don't sound like how they're spelled. Like, coup doesn't look anything like coup. Uh, <laughs> Good thing lot. you are a high-functioning uh, reader, Dylan. Good thing for that. <laughs> <laughs> I barely made of that out of that one. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> but it also provoked war with the nine nations, internal attacks by royalist fanatics and the scramble for money and power by Tamas's supposed allies, the church, workers unions and mercenary forces stretched to his limit. Tamas is relying on his few remaining powder mages, including the embittered Taniel, a brilliant marksman, and Tamlin's estranged son, uh, as well as Adamat, a retired police inspector whose loyalty is being tested by blackmail. But when gods are involved now, as attacks batter them from within and without, the credulous are whispering about the omens of death and destruction. Just old peasant legends about the gods waking to walk the earth. No <laughs> modern educated man believes that sort of thing. But they should. In a rich, distinctive world that mixes magic with technology, who could stand against mages that control gunpowder and bullets? All right. Wow. This is Brian McClellan's debut, and he starts off with a bang. Stats-wise, it's got a 4.14 on Goodreads across 54,000-plus ratings. We're talking about Promise of Blood here. Uh, that includes five-star ratings from Mark Lawrence, Robin Hobb, author of our recently read Farseer Trilogy, Will Gwynn of the Brothers Gwynn, David S. from FanFi Addict, and Nils from the Fantasy High, a bunch of our friends from oh, Twitter. Oh, hey, everybody. From the reviewing community. As you know, but perhaps some listeners do not, McClellan is a protege of Brandon Sanderson's. Yeah, uh, literally from the school of Sanderson, Sanderson, right, in terms of his writing style. Yes, he is... 
he is very clearly from the school of Sanderson, not just literally, but uh, figuratively in the way that he writes. You can really tell that all these lessons sunk in. And perhaps that's most prominently seen in the magic system or systems, if we want to call it that. In some ways, it seems like McClellan has set this up as sort of a hard magic system, uh, reminding folks for Sanderson's rules of uh, magic, uh, going from hard magic to soft magic. Hard magic being the very clear rules, almost you can make a scientific study of it. Soft magic being the more mysterious uh, uh, magic that you don't really want to use to solve your problems in books because people don't understand as well. But a lot of times people refer to it as like Tolkien and stuff. It's like, we don't know what Gandalf can do, but he mm-hmm. can do it, Charles. And sure <laughs> that's, yeah. So McClellan kind of used that hard magic and soft magic distinction. And he creates a sort of hard magic versus soft magic war where many of those on one side are these powder mages who are able to snort this powder, like snort a drug, Mm -hmm. and that gives them the power to bend bullets telekinetically, and they can also like blow up gunpowder from a distance. It's it's really Mm -hmm. cool. I love the magic system in this one. But for the most part, they're facing off against a side that has lots of uh, sorcerers who use more soft magic, old school, often elemental type magic. And Mm. uh, you've also got other aspects of magic. There's folks with these certain small, specific powers called knacks. Uh, Those play a role. Also fourth kind of magic. There's a bit of a spoiler to get into, but all these factors combine to create this fun, modern-feeling, magic-filled story that has a little bit of that meta aspect to it. I don't know how much of that was intentional from McClellan, but just the idea of like hard magic versus soft magic as uh, something to... uh, have in a book when you have this larger idea of like oh he learned that from sanderson Uh, the prose also feels pretty sandersonian in my remembrance which to me means it's it's very clear it's used to serve the story but there's not a ton of emphasis on creating flourishes or purple prose but you know sanderson talked about prose as trying to make it like a clear window through which you can see the story rather than you know uh uh like something that might cloud things up with too much purple prose. Uh, thing that I remember sticking out most for me when I first read this, uh, this about six years ago, I think, the pacing is the number one thing that I recall. And I remember that plot points would come up that I'd start to think, all right, let's gear up for this being an issue for like three quarters of the book. Right, and right, eventually right. this will get resolved. And then McClellan would find a way to resolve it satisfyingly in just a fraction of the pages. You're like, oh, okay, like we're moving forward. Like you got that done? That was good. Let's see what's next. And I was like, there's things in this book that could drag that never do. And I'm far from alone in feeling this way about Promise of Blood. Uh, Mark Lawrence said that McClellan's real forte is in building tension and intrigue, slowly raising the tempo while wrapping the various threads around each other in satisfying ways. The man's a storyteller. 
And this is a really, you can tell that Mark really loved this one. Because, you know, he he's generous. He'll give five stars sometimes where you're like, okay, he liked this book. And right. he, he's not looking to, like, well, let me bring it down to four if he thought it was good. This one I could tell he loved. He, he rarely gushes, right? So yeah. to read that, you're like, oh, okay, noted, noted. Right, yeah. I don't think we've covered any flintlock fantasy on this podcast yet, Charles. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I don't I think, think it's so, time. unless you count yeah. Age of Madness. Does that have guns in it? It does, but like I guess I think of flintlock stuff, fantasy. But it's not flintlock. It doesn't. Know? It does have. It does have like very like red country uh, early. Does red country? It's again like cannons, that kind of stuff. The heroes <laughs> has some of that, but I think. Age of Madness does have actual like guns starting to come about, but yeah, it's, and it's like industrial you know, revolution a, setting, but it's not yeah. Flintlock. To your point, no, I don't think I think a Flintlock, a Flintlock fantasy is like the guns are central to the story. Yeah, and of course mm-hmm. they are in the Powder Rage trilogy. I mean, they're bending bullets uh, for crying out loud, Charles. And I think it's time. Uh, with this flintlock fantasy genre that we take a stab or rather a take a shot on this exciting subgenre there's no better place to start for that than promise of blood we've got these three povs that's adamat the police inspector i mentioned earlier tamlin the field marshal who entered the age of kings and then tamlin like in court of thorns and roses <laughs> I'm sorry, I Tamus. I'm I oh, Freudian. I was slip. like Tamlin. His name's Tamlin. Did I, I said holy Tam. smokes. Sorry, um, I got I got Tamlin on the brain. What can I say? I can't I blame you, man. There's some things that yeah. you can't uh, unthink about <laughs> from Lords of Thorns and Roses. No, but um, I'll never unthink about. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> the, the close names though. Give me a little break. Tamus. They are close. Tamus. Yeah. Versus Tamlin. And then there's Tan Yol. That's the powder mage, uh, like the son of uh, Tamus, not Tamlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, they're all well fleshed out characters and they do all have interesting storylines. Only real critique, character wise, for me lack of diversity in the POVs. Doesn't have so many strong female characters in this trilogy, but I'm given to mm-hmm. understand. That changes in his future work, or who knows, maybe in point three six five, uh, <laughs> book point three six five, right? <laughs> maybe either way. The characters are good. There are, you know, there's some uh, good female characters, but just I don't think any of them are POV. And I think, you know, I do remember coming away being like, eh, I could have used a little bit of more like strong female characters. I mean, the same thing with like First Law. Uh, the first three books, even Abercrombie himself said, like, he kind of regrets not, you know, not including a little more diversity yeah. POVs. So, you know, just something to keep in mind. But, but you know, uh, it's in- inspired yeah. from the early 2000s kind of second renaissance of fantasy, right? And so even though this book is, what, 2013, you said? Um, uh, let me take a look so I actually get that right. But go on. Trace. Oh, April 16th, 2013. It is 2013. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. But um, yeah, it, there's a lot that, like, Brian McClellan's been on my TBR list for a while. He's an author that I just haven't read for whatever particular reason. But, you know, I'm super 
fascinated by him. You know, like you said, he came up from the school of Sanderson and was able to do his own thing. Um, but he very much plays in the world of these grim, dark, hard magic fantasy authors that we love and want to see more of. The praise from Mark Lawrence puts it, you know, over the top. And I also Robin Hobb is here, um, as you had said. And he's also got a pretty fantastic podcast, right? Page Break. That is true. Brian McClellan, where he's got a lot of fantastic guests. Um, He hasn't dropped an episode in a while. But um, the last one he did do um, had Becky Chambers on it. And so... Long um, Way to a Small Angry Planet. Great book. Yeah. I believe I pitched that, actually. Didn't I pitch that at some... Way Um, back. We've That's definitely like, talked about it. We definitely have recommended it a bunch of times. I think you did pitch it at one point. I think I did too. Like we're talking like the second uh, yeah. FBF ever or something like that. Yeah, this one has been in the FTF world in our recommendations and stuff since near the beginning. So, no, he's 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 very much in the sphere of all these authors that I find super interesting and haven't really quite gone into. Um, and so I would love to to see, like, to me, it's like the next generation after Brandon Sanderson, right? What that is like, what that could be, and I'm, I'm very interested to to give that a to give that a chance. So fantastic pick, and yeah, it's hard to think that that's already ten years old now. <laughs> it's so yeah. kind of crazy. That to me still feels like new age stuff, but it's a decade old for sure. And he's kept writing in this oh yeah in this world. And I, I will say to Charles, just a, a couple things. Uh, for me, this is a trilogy where I did enjoy the first book the most. Other books, mm-hmm. two books still strong. Uh, ending of the series is good. But for me, it just didn't hold up to the awesomeness of Promise of Blood. Uh, but that my, I haven't really seen that as a common opinion per se. Uh, if you look... Both successive books in the series two and three have a 4.36 rating on Goodreads compared to mm-hmm. Promise of Blood's 4.14, which of course there is kind of just the general sequels end up with higher ratings because you got out a lot of the people in the first round of reading sure, the book sure. where they don't end up reading the second or third if they really didn't like it or whatever. Um, so that's a general trend i wouldn't say that means that people like the second and third book more per se but does not indicate that they liked it less either um but yeah um seems like most readers don't necessarily share my sentiments but i wanted to put that out there uh because i'm locking into the trilogy it's a full series tell the story uh but uh, that's where i come from first book is the strongest of the three uh anyway just uh yeah i'll close out i'll close out this pitch uh We've got gods walking the earth alongside sorcerers shooting fireballs alongside people snorting a drug to be able to magically <laughs> bend bullets and blow up gunpowder. This is a wholly unique series that's got just about everything you could ask for and more. The action pacing greenness all make the Powder Mage trilogy. A series that I feel confident is a Charles series. You're bound to enjoy it. But will you pick it? only time can tell but will i pick it that's a fantastic question dylan and we won't know today um no i i can tell you that you know they're they're all very very strong great picks all books i've wanted to read for a long time 
well, the fourth wing was only a couple days since Thursday. It. But you know, <laughs> all books that I've wanted to read and um, can't go wrong with any of them. Uh, it's up to the the folks at home to help me kind of try and sway my opinion here. And I'm going to be honest with you, fans. I'm not really thinking of the fourth wing right now. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I know that's probably going to be one of the more popular ones in the polls. So just a heads up, if you really are feeling like that's something you want us to read, I need to see some like statistically significant love in the polls <laughs> for, for the fourth wing. Because I don't know, man, this come of this back to form kind of grim, dark stuff is really calling my name, but I could go, I could pick anything and you know? I'm a man of the people and I'm curious to what they say. And there's a lot to think about with your pitches, Dylan. And, and, and honestly, I only think what we can do now is just, is just, um, you know, call it a day. What do you think? I think it's time to get that sweet, sweet, Outro music pumping. I mean, what more is there yeah. to do, Charles? I gave my what pitches. Else? The people know they can reach out to us on social media. We'll tell them where in a second. We and sure will. they can vote on these. And you've heard my pitches, listeners. Yeah. What do you want? Yep. Fantastic job with those pitches, Dylan. Fantastic selection. Um, we've got a lot to look forward to on FTF regardless of the choice. But in the meantime, let's get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping. Thank you all, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another a very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today and you want to support the show, come over and talk to us on the socials or vote for one of your pitches that you want us to read, uh, one of Dylan's pitches that you want us to read on the show. You can do that over on Instagram at the FTF Podcast and then on X at the FTF podcast with a number doing one it. at the end. I'm doing it. I'm embracing it. And there's going to be polls on both He's guys. An guy. I'm not an ex guy. Let's put that in right now. I'm not an ex guy. But I'm also He's like. Elon now. It's not going to. God, definitely not. It's not going to go back to Twitter anytime soon. So may as well just accept it and move on with my, my life. But the polls are going to be on both. So be sure to go vote. And, um, yeah, Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they went and they voted and they supported us over on socials and they want to support us even further, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast, which you can do over on Spotify. It's just two clicks at the top of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast feed. It helps us so much when you do that. You can also rate and or review. Oh, didn't I say I was going to do this differently? The rate and or review thing, because you can't. You, you can't. <laughs> anyway, well, I'll fix it before the next FDA, FPF. Uh, you can rate and or review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that means you can actually write nice stuff about us over there. You can also write mean stuff, but please don't do that. And on Spotify, <laughs> too. You can't write stuff. Apple. Can't you write stuff now on Spotify? No. I don't know. Not that I... Oh, maybe come not. on, Charles! You're ruining it. You're ruining I'm sorry. I don't, I don't come in and I don't come in during your whole spiel. Actually, I do. You did. You're like, oh, you're an expert yeah. now. You love that's Elon. True, true. Like, this literally <laughs> happened like two seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yours was okay, but you said X instead of Twitter. Great and or review on Apple <laughs> Podcasts. Just toss us five stars whenever you 
write something nice about us, though, that puts a smile on my face. And presumably on Charles's cynical, clever, and whatever else I said, face as well. <laughs> what was it? Dark sense of humor. Uh, so, <laughs> this, uh, this has been a mess of an ending. What a mess, uh, but you know what? The points got across. Thank you all so, so much for listening. Just listening is more than enough. Right. Just listening is always more than enough. Thank you so, so much. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.